following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. We can learn about people, but we don't really get to know people until we talk to them. Would you agree? Once you start really dialing, you can learn about somebody, you can hear about them, you can see them, but unless you start to dialogue with somebody, you don't really get to know them. I would suggest the same is true with our relationship in the living God. We can know about him, but do we know him? It's a big difference. That starts to happen when we talk with him, when we start to converse with God. We begin to not just know about him, but literally know him. And that is something close to our heart we're passionate about here because the mission statement here at Metro Church is knowing God and making him known. Two things knowing him, really knowing him, and also making him known. So today, we're having a love life series. And this part of our love life has to do with the reality of prayer, how we simply talk with God and how we converse with God, because really, it's about conversation. And I believe the best ways to know God are through the word, this is where he's speaking to you and I, and through prayer, where we get to speak to him. That is so cool. That's conversationally. We literally get to know God more and more. I would suggest to you that our prayer life is really an expression of our love life. I know we say we love God. God loved us before we loved him and we love God. But I would suggest to you this morning that our prayer life is probably one of the biggest evidences of actually having a love life with God. Could you imagine friend, family, spouse that you never talked to? But I love you. Really. Got nothing but love for you but not talking with them? Of course not. We would have to converse. We would have to behold some, look at them, listen to them, converse. This is how we do it with God. We, we get in his word, we hear from him, and when we pray, we speak to him and sometimes even listen to him. It's really, really that important. It's an expression of our love life. Now, the thing about prayer, and by the way, we're gonna have a little opportunity later on to pray. I don't think we can talk about this as a church and not pray as a church. So we're gonna have a prayer opportunity at the end. But here's my experience, and many of you have had the same one. When it comes to praying, some people feel kind of awkward. They're like, I don't really know what to say. I don't have the right words. Anybody relate to this? Like, you know, especially praying with somebody or out loud. You're like, well, am I supposed to say like a formula? What if I don't know the right words? And you kind of, kind of feel awkward. I got some good news for you. Got a little video clip, and there's some help out there for folks like you and me if we need some help with prayer. Check this out. Joel Carpenter is a new Christian, so help him pray with kind of that super pastor guy you've seen on TV. God, please help my marriage. We're just really struggling right now. Oh, Heavenly Father, he who's created all things, makes the sun and moon rise at his command. I beseech you, take this woman that you've given to me as a helpmate and bring her to her senses that we might align together forever in a purpose-driven marriage. God, I'm really frustrated at work. Let me find a new job. I ask you now, in this area of employment, he who gives me a sustenance in an employer fashion, please give me this something, if it be your will, that would bring you glory. It's driving me crazy. I don't know what to do. You just help me out. 
You bless me also with many young saplings. And I ask you this day that you help me and my help me to raise them in the way of your word. Amen, God. And now I end this time with you, Lord, bowing before you, giving you all that you deserve in sacrifice and sacrament. Let it be known that the Alpha Omega is pleased. Amen. God go. Real people, real purpose. All right, all right. Little humor there, but it's true. Sometimes we wonder, how do I pray? Do I got the right words? Is there a formula? When it comes to prayer, guys, we just come like a child. It's very childlike. It's conversation, really. It's just the way we would talk to one another. The living God wants us to converse with him. You know, David in the Bible is a great example. He wrote songs, songs that were actually prayers. He put his prayers into songs, and he was just talking to God like he's sitting right there in the field with him while he's watching the sheep. Really cool. No professional prayer. You don't need to know anything other than what's really going on in your heart. That's what you really need to know in prayer. And so that's the way it works. Conversation with the living God is what God wants. These are conversations of the heart. And I would say one thing about prayer. To have prayer to be real, to have it be effective, we have to be vulnerable and transparent. There's a couple of key points right there. Because sometimes we think, well, what's the right thing to say? Forget about the right thing to say. Say the real thing. Say the real thing. When you look at David, I read some of his Psalms, and I'm like, I wouldn't say that. I'd be afraid to say what David said. (laughs) I'm thinking, are you going to be busted for saying that? And he's just like brutally honest before the living God. And God's like, I get it. I understand your frustration. I see where you're at. And God answers. And God actually likes that and says, David is a man after his own heart. I'm thinking, wow, he gets away with that stuff? Just being real, vulnerable, and transparent. Not disrespectful, but honest and vulnerable and transparent. That's the way we need to be in our conversations with one another, the truth and love. And that's the way we need to be in our conversations with God. And so if you're a note taker this morning, we're going to look at a few aspects covering some various scriptures on the topic of our love life with God, the way it is seen through prayer. And the first one is simply that, that prayer, it's about conversation with God and come like a child. Come like a child. That man's prayer that you saw in the video, uh, the professional pastor, his prayer was no better or no more powerful than the simple guy sitting at the table saying, God, help me out here. So it's not heavenly father, we beseech you to hearkeneth unto us. It's none of that stuff. It's God, this is what I'm feeling. I love you. I know you got a plan. Man, I got a heavy heart about this, God. Would you help me out? I really need you. Simple like a child. Children are really good with this. In fact, um, the amazing thing about God when we ask him things in prayer, he already knows stuff before we even ask it. Do you realize that? He knows before we ask. A lot of times he's just waiting for us to ask. You have not because you ask not. The Bible says some people are afraid to ask for stuff like, I don't know if I should ask for that or maybe it's, is that selfish? We have not because we ask not. And when you come like a child, a child comes brutally honest, transparent and ask for things that they want or they think they need. That's really cool. In fact, kids are great. We got a picture of a little child here. These are some children's prayers that were submitted. Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There is nothing good in there now. That's Amanda. Um, 
Dear God, thank you for my baby brother, but what I asked for was a puppy. I never asked for anything before. You can look it up. (laughs) Dear God, I read the Bible. What does beget mean? Nobody will tell me. Love, Allison. (laughs) Dear God, is it true my father won't get in heaven if he uses his golf words in the house? (laughs) Signed, Billy. Uh, Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all the people in the whole world. There's only four people in my family, and I can never do it. (laughs) That's Nancy. Dear God, I didn't think orange and purple went together until I saw the sunset you made Tuesday night. That was really cool. Isn't that great? Like a child. You come like a child. You be brutally honest, transparent. Tell them what's on your heart. In fact, Jesus says that we can't even inherit the kingdom of God unless we come like a child. And the kingdom of God is this dimension where God is the king of the universe. You and I get to be citizens and children of his kingdom. But sometimes we start getting too professional in our prayer or trying to be too correct in our prayer rather than coming like a child. The Bible would say, come like a child or don't come at all. See, the Pharisees refused to do that. The Pharisees had professional prayers, critical prayers. In fact, the Pharisees were critiquing the prayers of other people. Do you remember that in the Bible? Well, look at him. <laughs> kind of ridiculous prayer is that? And Jesus is like, you guys have no clue. Come like a child or don't come at all. It's a profound reality is that we got to come like a child. And another thing, great thing about children, this is important. Children, when they ask, they have no understanding of limitation. Do you know that? A child doesn't ask with limitation in mind. As parents, we answer with limitation in mind. I can't buy you that. What does money grow on trees? Right? So we, we answer with limitations. Can I tell you something? Our Heavenly Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Limitation is not in the mind of God. But when we ask, sometimes we think with limitation in mind. Children don't ask with limitation in mind. And when you read the the testimonies of some profound people in the faith that were shakers and movers for the glory of God, they will all tell you they had some pretty big prayer requests with some pretty big faith. They dreamed really big, and God met them and answered their prayer. They weren't going, well, I don't want to ask for that because that's asking for Let me just ask you this little meager thing. They weren't approaching it that way because, like children, they didn't understand limitations in the request. I don't think you and I should either. We shouldn't ask God converse with these, all these limitations because we impose those limitations. God's not listening with the filter of limitation. Oh, you better not ask more than that. Oh, you went too far. That's it. God's not listening that way. He doesn't listen with limitation. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, always praying. God doesn't have limitations. So when we come to him with prayer, why would we ask with limitation in mind? So that's our second point this morning. Children don't do this, neither should we. Second point, don't ask God with limitation in mind. When you're asking God for things in prayer, don't come with the mindset of limitation. That is a self-inflicted one. That's a choice. I think it really limits our faith in a big way. Well, God probably can't do that. He can't pull that off. But maybe God can pull this off. No, don't approach prayer that way. It really limits God. Prayer, by definition, guys, it takes faith. It takes faith. The whole journey is by faith. We come to him by faith. We believe by faith. The whole life is by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. It's all by faith. Hebrews 11.6, this is in your bulletin. 
This is a profound scripture, and it's a great snapshot about prayer, especially when we think of what kind of prayers is God answering? When is he not answering? Is he answering somebody's prayers? Is he answering my prayers? We all ask that question, don't we? How come this prayer is not being answered? And we, we all struggle with prayer and being answered. Listen to this scripture, uh, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he, listen to this, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, there's two parts here. I want to break this down. The first one is, without faith, we can't even please him. We can't even please him without faith. If we come to God in prayer and we're not pursuing him in faith in the first place, it's not even pleasing. Children come in faith. Children will come up to you and ask you anything. They come in faith. They don't come with limitation. They just come in some enormous childlike faith. Something that we tend to lose as life goes on. We shouldn't. We've got to come back and be like a child. But it takes profound faith because without faith, we can't please God. So before we come in prayer, you've got to know that you know that you know that you know that he hears you. You've got to know that. You don't go to, oh, I don't know if you're listening. I don't know, maybe you're busy on the other side of the world with a war or a famine, but if you're listening, no. <laughs> you got to know that you know that you know that he hears you. This is important. You need to know you have his ear, okay? You need to know you have the Father's ear. You know what the Father wants to know? The Father wants to know that he has your heart. And if you have the Father's ear and the Father has your heart, Watch out. This is where prayer gets explosive. And the text goes on to say, and I think you guys would agree, answered prayer is like getting a reward from God. Wouldn't you think? Thank you, God. That was a bonus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Answered prayer is like getting a reward from God. This is what the text goes on to say. It says that not only do you got to come by faith, that God is a rewarder, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It doesn't say that God rewards everyone that prays. This is important. It doesn't say he rewards everyone that prays. It says he rewards those who diligently seek him. I would suggest that if you're seeking first God and his kingdom in your life, if that's your heart's desire, your priority, to not just come to God when you need him or when you're desperate or when you can't handle it yourself, but when you look at God as the Lord of your life, when you really go, God, it's all about you. The universe revolves around you, not me. What's my part? Show me, God. Lead me. Use me. I want to be used for your glory. I want to get in on the abundant life. That's where it's at. I want to be in that zone where you want me. I want to be in your will. When that's your heart, watch out. Because this would say that he's a rewarder, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so if you are seeking first God in his kingdom, your prayers will be rewarded. Um, If you're a note taker, that's our third point. Our prayers, listen to this, our prayers are affected by our priorities. They are. The way prayers get answered are affected by our priorities. The Bible's got a lot to say about that. The Bible builds on that theme. Now, I want to get this clear. We don't earn our way to heaven by doing good things and doing good acts. That's by grace through faith, okay? It's a free gift. But it doesn't mean all the blessings of God come as a free gift, we, we see a theme through the Bible about obedience and prioritizing God and God saying, bravo, I want to bless that prayer. I see you as a child. I could tell you love me. I, I could tell your heart's right. I want to bless you with that prayer. Does that make sense? 
that we can't be running off on a tangent and God going, yeah, let me bless you anyway. Let me just answer all your prayers anyway, even though you're running away from me. Just like a parent, a loving parent, wouldn't give everything to a child unless the child has the right disposition. Does that make sense? The Heavenly Father is the same way. Our prayers are affected by our priorities. And the Bible builds on this theme. James 5.16 says this, Availeth much are the prayers of the righteous, the ones who try to walk right with God. Not perfect, because no one's perfect. We all fall short. You, I, every day will fall short. But what do we do when we fall short? Do we turn? Do we get right? Do we keep walking? Because if we do, bingo, that's the answer. Some are like, ah, I'm just going to stay where I am. I don't really care about doing course correction right now. I want to stay here. But the Bible says, availeth much are the prayers of the righteous. We're talking about effective prayer. We're talking about powerful prayer. And in your love life with God, I want to see your prayers answered and mine and for this church and for this city that God starts doing radical things. You know, every revival has been preceded by prayer. Do you know that? Every revival we've seen in history is when people start to do a couple of things. There's a fresh reading of the word where this begins to come alive to some folks again. And they start to communicate and pour their heart out to God with burdens, needs, and things like that. When those two things start to happen, we historically have seen God show up in power and revival comes to a people group, a church, a city, all the above. So I I really hope we get this down. In fact, if you have a heart for prayer, there is a prayer meeting before service in this back room over here. If you have a heart and a burden for prayer, God has been doing some stuff through prayer around here. He's been doing some really cool stuff at the women's study, at the men's study. God is changing some things around here, and it's a direct result of prayer. It's a direct result of prayer. I want to encourage you. I don't know where prayer is in your life as a priority, but my prayer today is that in your love life with God, you're going to step this conversational aspect up in your life with God, where you're going to commune more, you're going to come with greater faith, you're going to come like a child. You're going to try to walk right so your prayers availeth much, and God's going to do some explosive things. I love the way uh, Living Translation puts James 5.16. This is in your bulletin. It says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces great results. That's not me. That's the Word of God saying that. If you're trying to be right with God, again, not perfect. There's no one perfect, all false short. But you're trying to sincerely, just sincere, Trying to walk with Jesus. When you get up in the morning going, God, I don't have it down, but I really want to walk with you today. I really do. I want to throw off other things. I want to walk with you. When you have that disposition of your heart, it says that your prayer has great power and produces great results. This isn't a couple of times in the Bible, guys. This theme runs throughout Scripture. It's all throughout Scripture, this kind of theme right here. If we honestly try to walk right with Christ, our prayers will have great effect That's what the Bible's telling us. That is cool to me. That motivates me to tune up my walk. Does it for you? To tune up, to walk a little better, to walk a little closer with Jesus, not way back in the distance, to try to walk closer with Jesus in our lives because radical stuff happens. Another one in your bulletin is 1 John 3.22. And John says this, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. God blesses obedience. God rewards obedience. Again, salvation is a free gift of grace. We acknowledge what he did on the cross. We turn and we follow. That's a free gift. You can't earn it, anything like that. But God's been telling people forever, 
that if you walk in the way you should go, I can bless you. And if you don't, I can't. And if you do, I'll answer your prayers. And if you do, your prayers are more powerful than you know. They availeth much. They have a lot of power. God said that to Moses way back before they entered the promised land. There was two big mountain ranges. And he said, you see these two? They represent something. Blessing and curses, life and death. Choose life. If you choose life, you're going to get the blessings. If you don't, mm, sorry, you can't have them. And that theme runs throughout Scripture, even in the New Testament, that God blesses obedience and that he rewards those who obey him and do things that please him. I think that's amazing because sometimes we don't think of our prayer that way. We think of what's going on with my prayer. The opposite is true as well, guys. When we walk right with God, he blesses our prayer. But our own sin, and we all sin and fall short, our own sin, it blocks our prayer. Listen to what 1 Peter 3, 7 says. This is interesting. You get a visual on this. It reminds us to be careful so that our prayers will not be hindered. Hindered. Gentlemen, if you like football, think of someone doing the game winning extra point. Ready? Here goes. End of the game. Priority. Everything's winnable. You get that clock's down to five seconds, okay? Game over, right? Everyone's in their position. You ready? Extra point, win the game. And guess what? The kick is blocked. It's hindered. It's slapped down. No! Game over. How could that be? The reason that happened is because somebody wasn't in their right place at the right time doing the right thing, and the prayer got hindered, just like a football getting slapped down. By the way, football's in 30 days, gentlemen. Stay tuned. It's coming up. 30 days, preseason. Um, but get the visual on that. Get, you know, the kick being, you're like, no way, what happened? It was blocked. The Bible says in the same way, when we are not correcting and we're not, we're choosing to not be right. It's not like, oops, I made a mistake. It's like, no, I don't care to correct that part of my life. I just don't care. The Bible says, guess what? Sorry, but prayers get a little hindered. Isn't that interesting? Think of a blocked punt. Think of what a bummer that is. It's the same visual with our prayers getting hindered because we're like, yeah, I don't want to change that. I don't care. God's like, well, I love you. I'm here for you. But anytime you're willing to turn and try to get that right, I am here for you to help you, and I want to answer your prayer. But he blesses obedience and availeth much of the prayers of the righteous. And when we know we're walking the wrong way and we choose not to do anything, the Bible says prayers get blocked. This tells us that our prayers are affected by our priorities. They just are. That's throughout Scripture. Sometimes we want to know how God answers prayer. You ever wonder, like, what are some of the other ingredients? Why do some prayers get answered and some prayers not? Here's a really great saying. If you're a note-taker, you might want to jot these down. These, these are pretty cool. You're wondering, is God going to answer this prayer? Is he not going to answer this prayer? You're trying to walk right with God, but you're wondering, is he going to answer these prayers? If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If we are wrong, God says grow. But if all are right, God says go. Isn't that cool? If we're asking the wrong thing, wrong motive, we're not seeking first the kingdom. We got some wrong. We don't even maybe know we're asking the wrong thing. God's like, mm, no, that's actually not good for you. That's not going to bless you. You think it is, but it's not. I, I can't do that. And if the timing is wrong, God says slow, because some of us are praying for things, but God makes everything beautiful in its time. We understand sometimes the will of God, but not the timing of God. We all get confused 
on the slowness of certain prayers. All of us, myself including. But when the timing is wrong, God says, slow. And if we are wrong, God says, grow. Sometimes we want to get snapped out of a situation and God's like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to bring you through a storm so you come out with fruit and you're seasoned on the other side. Not just yank us out of bad situations, but bring us through them so we grow. But sometimes that's our prayer. God, get me out of here. Take me out of this. And God's like, no, I actually want you to grow through this. There are desert experiences that do things in your life that only a desert experience can do. And God's not trying to yank you out of it, but bring you through it. But if everything's right, God says go. Really cool. Uh, a couple more scriptures, and you have this in your bulletin, Mark eleven twenty four. This is a pretty powerful statement Jesus made. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Think about that statement. Believe and you will have them. Matthew 9, 28 also goes on to say, And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? He was going to heal them, but Jesus was like, No, hold off. I'm not going to heal them yet. They might want healing, but I'm not going to heal them yet. And he goes to them, Do you believe I can? Do you believe I can do it? And if they go, well, I don't know. <laughs> might as well try it. Jesus is like, no. You don't believe? You don't believe when you come with that disposition. But he says, do you believe I can? They're like, yes, we believe you can. We know you can do anything. We believe you can. Jesus is like, great, good answer. And that's the part of our faith. Not only do we not ask with limitations, we should ask the God of no limits, without limitations, but we also need to come truly, truly believing. We need to know that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. We need to know that because if we think, well, yeah, well, this and that, but certainly not this, we're already not coming like a child. We're already coming with limitation in mind and we're already coming not really believing. Jesus says, don't ask without first believing that God can actually do it. Do you believe he can do it before you ask? I mean, really believe because sometimes... We go, oh, I'll just give it a shot. <laughs> Got nothing to lose. Like rolling the dice, might as well ask. I'll throw it out there. Just throw my hat into the ring. It's kind of this random kind of thing. Nowhere in Scripture did Jesus say, why don't you just give it a shot? <laughs> you got nothing to lose. Come and follow me. Seriously? Well, I don't know. You got nothing to lose. Just give it a shot. Check it out for a while. If you don't like it, you know, just go back home. Just check it out. Give it a shot. He never did that. He never prayed for anyone. You think I can do it? I don't know. I just want to give it a shot, Jesus. I tried everything else. All right, give me a shot. You tried this. You tried the doctors. Hey, try me. <laughs> he never once did that. It was never about give it a shot. It's like, yes, I believe you can. Of course you can. You're Jesus the Christ. Nothing's impossible with you. Of course I believe. That is how you come with faith. You got to believe that just like a child believes that. And in Matthew's gospel, there's a theme that comes up again and again. And this is pretty, pretty amazing to me. Some people don't know what to do with this statement because they take it out of context. But in Matthew's gospel, again and again, we hear Jesus respond to people, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Oh, yeah, well, it doesn't really mean that. It kind of means, listen, it says your faith has healed you. What's going on there? Does that mean that if you have enough faith, everything will happen? And if you don't have enough faith? Here's the tension that people don't properly understand right here. God never stops being sovereign. He is sovereign all the time. He always will be. That he is 
overreigns. Sovereign means S overreigns. Sovereign. God overreigns everything all the time. Yet, he wants us to come in faith. So you have a dichotomy of two worlds, the sovereignty of God and our faith. And God says, without faith, you know, it's impossible to please God. So in his sovereignty, he wants us to meet his sovereignty in faith. And some people go, ah, faith, you know, God's going to do whatever he wants anyway. (laughs) I mean, you know, he's going to do, what's the point? He's going to do whatever he wants. That's missing the point completely. Anything that's not done in faith is sin, the Bible says. Faith is a big deal. It's a big deal. And yet, some people think their faith owns and controls everything, not understanding the sovereignty of God. And that's the other side of the coin. It's like a double-edged sword. It's the sovereignty of God and our faith. Jesus says to people that are walking in the will of God, under the sovereignty of God, who come in faith like a child and meet God where he is at, on his terms, like a loving father, and they come like a child, he says, guess what? It's been done to you according to your faith. You can't leave your faith out of it. Your faith is enormous. It's an enormous part of the equation. If these people came to Jesus and said, Lord, would you heal me, the blind man? Do you believe I can? (laughs) I don't know. I'm just giving it a shot. Sorry. Maybe next week or next month or if I come through town, let's try that one again. Maybe we'll pass the test. But give it a shot is not the answer. Yes, I believe you can. Ooh, that's faith. I want to meet that faith. God wants to meet us with that level of faith. That is really important. Your faith has healed you. Here's here's the reality. God's the actual healer, not you and I, not our faith. Your faith and my faith are not the healer. He's the great physician. He's the healer. But guess what? Our faith, it completes the circuit. Just like plugging something in the wall, our faith completes the circuit. Why does God design it that way? Because he wants to reward those who diligently seek him. He wants to do that. That's his economy. That's the way he works. It's really important to get that because, again, some people go on two sides. Like, if I got enough faith, it's going to happen. And if I don't have enough faith, or some might say, you know, the reason that happened in your life is because you don't have enough faith. You would have been healed. You would have been this. It's your faith. And they're blaming you and I and our faith. That is not the heart of God either. We believe. We're walking in faith. Don't be punished for your faith. That's not the heart of God. That's the devil trying to condemn people for their lack of faith when they're actually walking in faith. But the other side is the sovereignty of God. And when they meet together, God being the healer, our faith completes the circuit. Really important, guys. Some people have a wrong view on that, and it gets a little skewed. That's the reality. Those are the prayers that God answers. On another note, I want to ask you, what about those prayers that haven't been answered? Anybody have any of those? What about those prayers? What about the ones we've been praying that haven't been answered? Those ones can be kind of heavy, burdens, weigh you down, set you back. What do you do with those? What about those prayers? Then what? When we look at faith in Scripture, because prayer to me is a conversation with God in faith. That's really what prayer is. Faith, by definition, it waits. And it waits. And it waits. Prayer comes like a child, believes God for everything, and yet, yet, if God seems slow, he's not slow, the Bible says, as we perceive slow to be, but we perceive things to be slow. If God is not answering prayer in the timing and the sequence and the order that we think it ought to be, then what do you do? I know what some folks do. I already prayed about that. I'm done. I'm moving on. Why are you moving? Because I already prayed about that. Well, pray. I already did. 
I prayed about that for six months. I prayed about that for a week. I prayed all day about that. I prayed, what, I, and they're moving on. By definition, that's not faith. Faith keeps asking, seeking, and knocking. And that's the tense in the scripture is an ongoing. Not like I once asked, I once knocked, and I once sought. No, asking and seeking and knocking. And prayer, by definition, is a conversation with God, a conversation in faith that continues. It's really important to understand that because faith waits, it believes, and it expects but it does so with patience. And this, guys, is called enduring faith. Enduring faith. See, some have some immediate faith, but they don't have enduring faith. And you've got to have enduring faith. Enduring faith really is the true test of faith. If you trust and believe God for something, and it's his will, and he answers your prayer, that was not really a big test of your faith. It's the enduring faith that's a test of your faith and in my faith. How are we hanging with the pace and the timing and the sequences of God. How, how are we doing that? That's enduring faith. Uh, by the way, if you are into prayer, if you're into the topic of prayer, if this is kind of stirring something in you, and I hope it does, there's some books by E.M. Bounds. E.M. Bounds. You might, might want to write that down. The guy is the best. There's nobody who's done prayer books better than him. In fact, I don't think there's ever a reason to write another book on prayer if you read what this guy wrote. He had it. He lived it. He ate it. He breathed it. He lived 100 years ago. And this guy understood prayer like nobody else. And I want to read a quote from him. He says, Faith does not grow disheartened because prayer is not immediately honored. It takes God at his word and lets him take what time he chooses in fulfilling his purposes and in carrying out his work. There is bound to be much delay and long days of waiting for true faith, but faith accepts the conditions knows there will be delays in answering prayer and regards such delays as times of testing. Testing, that's what's going on. He also concludes that in those times, your faith gets to display what it's made out of. Your and I's faith is on display when it's enduring. When it's not enduring, there's nothing to display. But when you and I are hoping and praying and seeking, and yes, we're expecting, and yes, we're believing, but we're also waiting. We're also enduring. We also have patience. It's in that time alone that your faith and in mine is on display. And everyone gets to see. Now what? And we're still standing in faith and we're still believing. Because faith by definition is the assurance of things we hope for and the conviction of the unseen. And although we're hoping for it and we don't yet have it, we still stand in it and walk in it. Does that make sense? That's what faith is. And outside of that, it's not faith at all. It was just a wish. It was just a dream. But faith, by definition, that's what it is, enduring faith. It's not just faith in the moment. It's not just faith in the day. It's not just faith in the season. It's faith that continues and goes on. And if you guys have any of those kind of prayers, those still waiting kind of prayers, the prayers that you've been asking and you still are asking, I want to encourage you, keep on asking. Jesus told about the persistent widow. Keep on asking. Your faith is being tested. God is good. His timing is better than ours. He knows better than us, no matter what we think or feel should be the answer. He's with you. He doesn't forsake you. He doesn't leave you. He's with you in the journey. He's with you in the storm. He's with you going through the Dead Sea. He is with you. Endure. And that's our fifth point this morning is never stop enduring in prayer. If you tell somebody, yeah, I already prayed about that, I'm done. Survey says, wrong answer. Because that's not trusting and waiting. That's like, hey, I already did that. I'm done. Now I'm fixing it myself. <laughs> Taking it in my own hands. I tried. Saul in the Bible made that mistake. 
He was supposed to wait on God. He's like, I'm done. I'm not waiting on God. I'm doing this myself. Samuel shows up and says, oh boy, you've done this way too many times. You've literally been striking out with God, taking it in your own hands when God's telling you to wait for him and he's doing something and you just grab it with your own hands and you, you make it happen on your own and, and, and you're messing up what God's trying to do. And, and actually, if you look at Saul's life, that's the way he struck out by trying to take things in his own power, own control, own everything. When God's like, no, we were, there's a process in place. What are you doing? It's really important, guys. Never stop enduring in prayer. It's really, really important. Um, Ian Bounds also states, last statement from him. In fact, this would be great if the worship team would come up right now. Um, we're going to have an opportunity to pray. I want you to think about right now, please, uh, what is the unanswered prayer in your life? What is the one that burdens you? There's a lot of things we want and hope and desire. What's one thing that you sense as a need in your life that you are really going, you know what? That's a burden. I want to be honest. It's a burden. I've been praying for it. It hasn't happened. I want to continue to pray for it. I want you to think about what that is right now um, because we want to address that and we trust God in faith that he's a God who answers prayer. And I know when he starts, when you and I start coming like a child, and when we come believing, knowing that he can do more than all we can ask or imagine, when we, when we come believing that he's not limited and we shouldn't ask with limitations, when we come and begin to endure in faith, God's going to show up and start doing things. And when he does, we need to remember and we need to keep coming in prayer. And we're going to see revival in your life and in mine and in this church and in this city because it all comes through prayer. Radical stuff, guys. Here's what he says uh, about enduring prayer. It's the ability to hold on, to press on and wait. Restless desire, restful patience, and strength of grasp are all embraced in it. It's not an accident or a performance, but a passion of soul. It is not a want, half-needed, but sheer necessity. In other words, it's not some, yeah, I think I sort of want that. It's like, God, I need this. Please, Lord. You look at the Psalms and you hear David. He's like, Lord, surrounded by enemies. I love you, God, but they want to kill me. Please. The deliverer shows up. A need, a cry of your heart. What is the cry of your heart? Because I suggest to you that these kind of prayers, these are heart cries. These aren't like, yeah, Lord, I just prayed nice weather today, a little, little sunshine. Give me a little rain, Lord. It's beyond, it's a cry. It's going, God, please. It's something deep in your soul where you, where you feel stirred, you feel a burden. And usually what that is, the Holy Spirit stirring you. You feel a burden, you feel a need, you have a desire, and you're crying out to God for something. It's that kind of thing. I would suggest that for these kind of prayers, guys, hunger is required. Hunger, a thirst for your soul. There's something deep. And, and, and the psalmist wrote, as the deer pants for water, a deer running through the desert all day to get to a stream and is going, I'm dying for water. He's like the same way. My, my soul pants for you. I long after you. The same kind of deep hunger and desire. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. So what is it you want? What is it you want to see? What is it that you're hungry for? What is the cry of your heart for the living God? There is power in this. You are changed through prayer. I'm changed through prayer. Our world gets changed through prayer. As the worship team plays some music, I want to ask that you do something bold right now. Not like the professional prayer guy, because there is no professional prayer. Just like a child. I want to ask you to step outside your comfort zone. This is a safe place. 
I want to ask you to pray with somebody, one person, not two or three. Only if somebody is left out and there's no one around, include them. So just, just try to do two people. When two or more are gathered in my name, I'm present. So turn around to somebody, whether you know them or not. And don't spend a long time explaining the need. Just, I tell you what, you pray for what that need is, that hunger, that burden. You just pray. And the other person, I want you to agree. I want you to stand with that other person in faith and just be saying in your spirit, yes, God. Yes, God. Would you please do that, Lord? Would you please do that? And then as the other person prays, would you agree with them in prayer? Because when two of you gather in my name and if we're agreed on things, the Bible says that God answers these prayers. I want to ask you to do that right now. Let it be something you're hungry for. Don't let it be a periphery thing. Let it be a main event. Let it be something that's a genuine burden. And let's watch what God starts doing in your life and in mine and in this church as our love life is manifest through prayer. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.